Welcome back to the XM Podcast. Here is your host, licensed mental health therapist, Matthew Kanabi. So we are getting all kinds of crazy over here at the XM Podcast, doing a series around a series, taking a quick break from that series to do a two-part podcast with uh, Rachel Muha. What an incredible story that was. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear that two-part series with Rachel, please go back and, and check those out. Very, very powerful um, podcast. But so to iron some things out, we have been doing a series on different therapies. We have two more podcasts to do in the coming weeks to complete that series. Uh, we've done DBT, EMDR. Um, I actually just recorded a formational prayer, and that will be out probably next week or so. And then we'll end that series with IFS for the time being, uh, in, internal family systems, in the next couple weeks. But as we said several months ago, we are going to pepper in a few trauma talks over the course of the year. And today will be our second installment of that series. So welcome to episode two of Trauma Talk. To remind you, Trauma Talk is going to take scripture through the lens of trauma, and Victoria and I are going to have a conversation around different prolific characters of the Bible. Last time we spoke uh, about the disciples and those who were directly around Jesus. Today we dive into one of my favorite books uh, of the Bible and have a discussion around the younger brother of Jesus, James. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for coming back to the XM podcast. Um, this is our second installment of Trauma Talk. What I'd like to do, um, just to start out, let's talk again to our audience a little bit about the concept that you and I came up with uh, so many months back about what we wanted to do with this thing called Trauma Talk. Yeah, we wanted to just um, open up a dialogue between you and I, um, as if we were just sitting at a lunch table at Emerge, um, having our, our lunch, talking about topics that are relevant to the clients that we are caring for and treating and seeing. So it's it's really simple. Yeah. It's not um, something that's super complex, but it's just the daily conversations that we used to have when we were here passing in the hall or in the lunchroom. And the cool thing I think that you brought up um, about trauma talk was we were going to take it back to scripture. So it wasn't just a conversation about trauma that you, that you and I have often, but we were going to take a look at different areas of the Bible and look at it through the lens of trauma, which I think really makes this conversation unique. Because a lot of times I know for me, until I became much more trauma-informed, I could read the Bible, but maybe not see some of these interwoven things that we're seeing in our offices all of the time with clients. And then all of a sudden you go into scripture with that kind of perspective. And it's like, oh my gosh, it was there the whole time. Yes. And so for us to be able to kind of, we're kind of what we're doing is cherry picking different parts <laughs> of the Bible. The last time what we did is we took a look at the disciples yeah. and we took a look at kind of through the lens of a disciple, what does that look like through through trauma? And it was really, really interesting. And it was really kind of the disciples and the people immediately around Jesus. Today, what we're going to do, and I think this was my um, uh, urging of, of wanting your, to- Yep, your yeah, calling. <laughs> this was my calling. And, and, you know, people who listen to the podcast or anybody that's been um, a client of mine knows that I reference this book all the time. I've said it 10,000 times. I just love this book. Uh, the book of James is what we're going to focus on today because the book of James to me 
is this like short little just beautiful little hidden gem in the new testament and and one of the it is it's a little pocketbook but it's like it kind of reminds me like a proverbs where it's like these little one-off sayings about all these things to think about of how to make your life more um like jesus and so uh so that's where we're going to sit today and and talk a little bit through the lens of of trauma and the book of james and what i'd like to do to start out because i i find it interesting because i think i don't know if a lot of people realize this this book wasn't written by the apostle james it was the brother of jesus james and i i even read in a um um another um, concordance with, with the scripture that actually his name was Jacob and they translated it into James um, into English, but his, his brother's actual name was Jacob. But I think the interesting thing, and I want to start out and just kind of talk to you about this and we're, I'm going to be, we're kind of making up some space here, but let's think about this for a second. This guy who wrote this book is the so we talk about lineage and, and um, you know age in, in the family and what what uh, birth order you were and all that kind of stuff and how much that affects like if you're the firstborn you're kind of like yeah, this he's type the, he's the last he's the baby but your big brother's Jesus <laughs> your big brother's <laughs> Jesus like I, right how do you live up to I, that one <laughs> it's like mom you know what I just I just don't think I'm going to do it as good like it's probably <laughs> going to be like i i read all these like articles of like people who are younger siblings of like crazy famous people and a lot of them struggle with addiction and you know because it's like you're never going to be good enough can you be can you imagine being this i'm not going to name anybody but like some super famous actors younger brother and it's like you're always in in the shadows but then you've got James, who's the younger brother of Jesus. And it, it's interesting because everywhere we read, James was not a believer until after Jesus was crucified. So that tells me something that maybe he didn't buy into this thing until he saw that Jesus was raised from the dead. And I just, I don't know, it just makes me kind of think what kind of life James must have had and going up. Oh, there he goes again. There you go. oh, oh, great! There goes Jesus doing great, <laughs> great things again. And here's right. me over here sibling trauma. He could have had sibling trauma. I love that perspective because it's a real thing. And I say so often that the younger siblings can have a lot of wisdom um, for the system because they look up. And so, if if the siblings and the system is ever willing to look down and listen to what that person has to say. Um, there's a lot of wisdom that they can offer to it. And so I love how James um, exemplifies that. I did not know this about the book. So I love that you're teaching me this, but I, I definitely can see that he's the wise younger brother who can speak wisdom over what he's seeing, yeah. what he's observing. Like, I just wonder if there was ever that time where there's like, you know, a little bit of conflict growing up in the fit or going in the family and like Jesus is off doing his thing. And, you know, James is like, well, well, Joseph, at least Joseph is my real dad, you know, kind of like, like, that's the only thing I might have over this situation. You know, it's like, I just, and so I think it is interesting that, um, later we, we see that, um, Paul talks about James because what happens is um, James after the transconfiguration, then I think really gets the whole thing. 
and becomes just this um, really active um, preacher of the gospel. And so um, in Galatians, I think it's uh, Galatians 2, 9, uh, Paul puts James in is going, he is a pillar of the church, which is a, that's a pretty big. Yeah, he's um, one of the pillars. That's he's one of the pillars. Yeah. And uh, I think he was along with John and and, and maybe Peter and, um, yeah. and it wasn't uh, in his historically, it wasn't long after James wrote this book that he became a martyr and was murdered uh, and his big ministry, I believe, was in Jerusalem. Um, and so he wrote this book because um, so many Christians at the time were being martyred. And he was fearful that they weren't going to get these really important things. So that's kind of the the foundation that we we dive into this book and talk about. And it opens up. And I, I wanted to talk to you about this because I think it's interesting Um in verse one, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, in verse two, chapter one, verse two, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What I f- read that, it says, whenever you face, not if you face, no, it's when. whenever you face. So it's this happening. book is setting up, you need to expect that you're going to hit trials, you're going to hit adversities. And that kind of sets up our conversation today for Trauma Talk, because we're going to talk a little bit about the adversities and the trials. And um, And when you hit them. Exactly. So would you like to share, you and I kind of talked about a few different points um, before we started recording today. And I'd like you to share a little bit about that first point that you were talking about. Yeah, I want to tag into what what you brought up is how, I mean, James just speaks to the broken. He's saying, hey, we are all broken. We are all needy. We are ones who are hurt, whether we are poor in spirit, whether we are poor financially, whether we are um, um, neglected, abandoned, um, we are in need of a savior and we are in need of something greater than ourselves. And so I love that he talks about the embracing of that and and for me, he's he's really speaking about wisdom. So he's got this little nugget of talking about wisdom. And I think he's modeling wisdom because he's taking what he's observed. He's taking what he's learned and he's applying it um, three times in the book. They talk of, in the original Greek, they use the um, word Sophia to mean wisdom, right? So it's that lady wisdom. It's that co- concept of how wisdom presents itself. And it presents itself as peace, peace, loving, considerate, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, um, sincere. Um, and it talks about how um, wisdom is reflected by acts done in humility and how that um, humility is birthed and how humility will birth wisdom. Okay. Humility will birth wisdom. And um Humility and vulnerability go hand in hand. And I don't know any um, survivor, any trauma survivor who hasn't been humiliated or vulnerable, you know, and there's this downplay between how Jesus so um, earnestly and so sincerely and so wisely enters into these wounded spaces, these tombs that we have and he um, creates in us new life, 
Um, but first he spends time in the brokenness, in the, in the um, woundedness, in the ways that we were harmed. Um, and so I love how James really brings forward this wisdom as a value essential for living. Um, and so without wisdom, we can't um, even encounter freedom. And freedom is really not about um, having complete control. Freedom is really about ultimate um, humility. I think humility is one of the hardest things for us to walk in um, because we have to be willing to accept that we can't fix it on our own. That's really good. You were talking about, um, I think it's in uh, chapter one around verse, uh, let me look, uh, I think 13. Yep. <laughs> I, I think in the, the, when we talk about trauma and in so many times you and I've heard this and I, I want you to expand on this. Let's talk about the idea about God and temptation and then kind of like um, what you and I were talking about when we're working with somebody who's dealing with trauma, how difficult it's for them to see how God could be present or allow these horrible, difficult life experiences to happen. Yeah, that I don't know. I mean, very few times it was all the survivors I've walked alongside and even probably in my own life and with people that I love you don't at some point say, where was God? Like, right. Mm -hmm. Where was God in all of this? How could God have allowed this to happen? Right. And, and I'm not in any way saying that, um, Hey, tritely answering it being like, well, here's who, you know, Jesus is. Cause mm -hmm. I think that can be sometimes taken as another way of spiritually abusing someone by forcing, by forcing, Jesus onto someone in a um, wounded space. But if you can um, in, teach them how to invite Jesus in, um, show them what it's like to stand next to Jesus, show them what it's like to know this. And one of the things that he knew about the Father is that um, God isn't tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Evil doesn't touch God. God didn't send evil to you to teach you a lesson. That's right. um, evil is in this world. We live in a fallen world. Evil is here. Evil is um, happens because sin births death. And so sin wants to hold us in captivity to acts that are committed against us, whether consciously or unconsciously by others or circumstances of this world. So the enemy wants to imprison us. He wants to enslave us. He wants to hold us in those spaces. Mm -hmm. He wants us to blame. He's, he's like, talk about big siblings and stuff. He's like the sibling who tries to get the other, the parent to believe it's the other sibling's fault, right? His biggest trick is to, to blame God for the things that he's doing That's in right. um, our lives. And so James is so bold when he talks about this, you know, he so clearly says like, this is not who God is. And that's really a strong, bold, wise statement. Um, and so when you can invite and, and help um, believers invite um, Jesus into those places of woundedness, such tender healing can happen. 
Yeah. I, I, I find when um, I just, I'll, I'll speak from my experience. I look back on my life and I look um, through the seasons that um, were the dark periods or the times where I was really struggling I find now when I look back, I can see God struggling with me, not doing it to me. And, um, and I've shared this on the podcast and I've talked about it a lot. When my wife and I were going through the infertility years and the miscarriages, that was uh, a, a time in my life where I really felt like a, a significant gap between where I was at and where God was at. It was like, where are you in this? And um, we were hurting so bad. And I look back now and see he was hurting with us. And as soon as I let go, and as soon as I, I released the idea that I was going to overcome this and I was going to fix this problem. And I, all of a sudden it's like God came in and, and then he started working. And it was, it was just a really interesting thing. Cause I think in the midst, midst of sometimes when we're in, in the midst of the storm, it's really easy for us to really shift blame on to him when he's actually standing right next to us, just crying, going, I hate this for you. I don't want this for you either. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The relational part of Jesus, Mm -hmm. um, that tender part of Jesus. I love that, Matt. That's such a great description Um, because we don't, we don't often think about the um, presence of Jesus um, until we have hindsight Mm-hmm. Until we have the ability to um, look back, look at that wounded child and see how Jesus, you know, because he's omnipresent, is still hanging out with that part of us that is held back there. He doesn't leave the prison with um, the wounded um, um, part of us, that harmed part of us. And I've seen so many clients discover where he was in all of that. It's just the most beautiful thing to see. I've witnessed it time and time again, um, that encounter of how he, um, he just loves to hang out with the broken. He loves to hang out with the poor. He loves to hang out with the diseased. He loves to hang out with those who feel less than by this world. And let's be honest. um, um, He came to save us um, because we're not capable of saving ourselves. I think that's why James talks so much, and I'm not going to go into this, just so much about the difference between wealth and poverty mm-hmm. and how how hard it is to walk a life of, of faith with wealth. And I and I'm not, the reason I say that is because I think what he's trying to say is like your ego gets in the way of that. Yeah. Well, and I, as you go through it, I think he was writing uh, really for the for the time because the delineation of people was you had or you hadn't. That's and I right. think I think now when we look at this, because this was the next point I wanted to go into in, in chapter two, verses five, it talks about, um, I'll paraphrase, it, it, it essentially is saying those who are poor, but I can also look at this and, and I've looked at different translations and it's in some will be um, it's looking at those who are poor, those who have been hurt, those who are broken, those who are fractured. It's um, really trying to find joy and contentment in that. It's because those people who are wounded and poor and broken and fractured will seek out a savior weary to those who don't need 
to find a savior because they're the ones that are going to be in trouble. James is like flipping the script on us right here because we're, mm-hmm. we all want to be those people who don't have adversity and don't have troubles in life and live on the high of the mountain and, you know, all of those things. But what he's saying is those are the people that really are in danger. And it's, it's hard to wrap our heads around, um, you know, being poor, being broken, being beaten, being traumatized, you, you, you insert the thing there. But I think we're looking at a God who is a God who is all about resurrecting. And, and the only way to resurrect something is if it is broken, beaten, or dead. And I think when we see what happens to Jesus is the purpose of what God wants to do with everything in our lives, including the world. You know, when he talks about, and I'm going into a different direction, but I think it's important. Right. When when he talks (laughs) about heaven and earth and, and, and talks about he's going to resurrect this broken earth, that's going to be one of his greatest um, victories ever is we're seeing, we're even living it. This place continuously, we're seeing different things and it's getting more worse and, and, and these things and whatever. God's going to resurrect. Everything that we think is terrible, God's going to resurrect. And I think sometimes in our lives, we need to look at that because I think that's the overarching view of, of James is that God looks for the fractured places so that he can fill it in. Yeah. Does that make sense? I love that. I do. I had this image um, that came to me while you were talking and you were talking about the resurrection. And I was almost thinking about, um, I often do this with my clients. I will have them maybe as homework or maybe in my office, spend some time with Jesus on the cross, um, you know, hanging out at the cross um, and asking Jesus to show them um, their pain and where it is on his body and where he took the blow for them or where he Mm. bled for them or where he bruised for them, where is the wound that he carries for them? And sometimes, you know, it's so easy for us to look at like, Oh, it's only, you know, our sin on the cross. Oh, I don't feel like I said what we don't recognize is anything that is broken um, has some type of connection to a sin has some type of connection to um, the darkness in this world. And so, however, you know, removed that is. And so he cares about not only the person who was held bondage to that, but he also cares about what it did to you. Mm. And so he bled, he wept, he cried, he um, broke his bones for that pain you took on, for that wound that you carried. And I never had this thought before until you were talking, but wouldn't it be, you know, interesting to walk into the tomb with him, to hang out with him in the brokenness with the death? Because I know as a survivor, you feel dead. There's a part of you that died. There's a part of you that got lost. There's a part of you that feels um, that it can't be redeemed, that it's forever broken, forever damaged, forever lost. And um, how precious to think about him um, resurrecting that part and for you to actually witness that and to walk out of that tomb whole with him. Mm -hmm. Um, What would that look like? That's a really powerful imagery. I think that's a really powerful thing because it it says in here, um, you know, 
perseverance leads us towards spiritual maturity, right? Perseverance leads us towards um, spiritual maturity. So perseverance is about connection with our Savior, right? And so how are we going to connect with our Savior Savior, as we persevere through um, the pain with him so that we can find um, the healing that he has for us? Yeah, it, that's really well put. I think it's really good. You know, I talk about um, in First Peter, he talks about the, um, the fire and um, that's what uh, refines us is us going through the fire. And when you think about it, it fire doesn't feel good. Like I, I can't imagine um, anybody going, yeah, let me just walk through this fire because I know on the other side, I'm going to be a better version of myself. And it's all of the trials. Um, you were talking about the way we work out a muscle. You have to put the stress on it for it to grow. You know, um, oftentimes I talk about, um, you know, with clients, the, the, the concept of iron sharpening iron, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not pillow sharpening pillows. It's iron sharpening iron. It doesn't feel good sometimes. It's hurt. It hurts. It it it's it's a difficult process, um, but to get to that, that's the process of of who we need to be and where we need to get. Um, Victoria, there was I think there was one other point that you and I talked about. Uh, there was a second point that you were talking about um, before we started, and I wanted to make sure we got to it. Uh, do we talk about how God doesn't change? Did we, did we? we didn't. And that's where I yeah. wanted you to talk about yeah. that. Cause I think it's really important. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. For thinking um, for this. Yeah. In verse um, in chapter one, verse 16 and 17, um, you know, James talks about how God does not change. There's no variation. There's no shadow of him. Um, he is, he is everlasting. He is not changing. He is the same God. Um, that birthed creation as the same God who will end time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is, he is consistent and um, um, loving and compassionate and kind. And he is, um, I think so often in woundedness, we need to know that there is something consistent, that something bigger than us, something that is not changeable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because everything around us feels like it does change and everything around us feels so unstable or, or um, um, uncertain, especially in these times more than ever. Mm-hmm. And so I just love that. Like it's, I don't see a shadow of God through Jesus. I see God through Jesus. Yeah. I think, I think that's an, um, a really interesting idea, especially when sitting with someone who has, um, you know, gone through a trauma and we kind of talked a little bit about the, uh, idea of, um, where was God, but I think sometimes too, they think, well, that person's favored by God differently than me, you know, and God, God cared about them more than me. And we do that because that's how our culture looks at things. You know, it's like, well, that dad must've loved him because he stayed, but my dad never showed up and disappeared. So then we personify that onto God and going, well, he must favor this person more than me. And God's going, I know I'm consistent across the board, but it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that. Yeah. Well, I think that's why um, the modeling of Jesus that death leads to 
resurrection that leads to new life is sometimes we have to allow, we have to grieve and we have to allow the death of these images um, that this world has shown us to fade away so that we can um, find the new life that's in, um, you know, how do I say this? The new life that is in um, our savior, the new life that comes from persevering the new life that comes from even the death, the final death of this world. Um, you know, we all are heading towards death where we're, we're all every day a step closer. Um, and so what does that mean? Um, not only in this world, but what does it mean beyond? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Crosby, who is the president of Emerge, he sent this to me the other day because, um, He's helping me out. Um, I was asked to preach at this church and I'm not a preacher. I'm a therapist, but um, he was, <laughs> we were talking about it and we were talking about the people that God uses. And I think this is really um, summing up kind of James about, you know, he, he reaches out for the poor. He reaches out for the broken. And uh, he sent me this thing about um, if you think uh, your situation is too hopeless, that God wouldn't use you. Think about these people. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Oh, so do I. Uh, Gideon was afraid. Samson was a long-haired womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah uh, ran from God. Uh, I'm sorry. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied uh, Jesus. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced multiple times. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was, was dead. <laughs> so th those are the people we're, we're aspiring to be, right? <laughs> those are the people I want to hang out with, right? Or, right. Right. But how Those many times, how many times do we hear God. people going, Oh, God would never use me. God would, I've done too much. I I'm, I'm so unclean and he would never forgive me. And, but these are the people that this whole book that I'm looking at the Bible right now, you can't see me, you can hear me. This whole book was mm -hmm. built around. And, and yet we, we forget sometimes I think in our own heads of, uh, God, God's going to use the broken. I mean, you, when we look at the gospels and see who Jesus was really going after, it wasn't the people who had it all figured out, you know? No, it wasn't the people who had it. It was the people who were hungry and desperate to find freedom. Um, and I love how, you know, James talks about, you know, the perfect law that gives freedom, right? Um, Jesus is that perfect law. Mm -hmm. um, that gives freedom, um, and believing in that and the translation of that and recognizing that we crave freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, I think any survivor would tell you that they crave freedom and, um, and I don't know any human being who doesn't who can't wear that label, who mm -hmm. can't, I don't want to use label that, that um, identification, right? Mm -hmm. It should be on all of our name tags. Yeah. Uh, we are survivors, you know, this yeah. world is hard to live in. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll end with um, in James 2, uh, verse 10. This is like the ultimate equalizer. Uh, it says, uh, forever who keeps the whole law and yet um, stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So forever who keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is, gu- is guilty of breaking all of it. The point of that is if you, if you keep, none of us can keep the whole law. None of us. We're, 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 we're all in trouble. And the, the point of that is, is like, no matter what, where you're at on this point or that point, if, if it does, it, it's the ultimate equalizer, because we can't keep the whole law, but guess what? Jesus did. And that's the point. We, we need him because he kept the law. We can't there. We can't fulfill it as much as you want to try to climb the mountain, as much as you want to try to stay on the, the straight and narrow, you will not fulfill the law, but he did. And so I think it's so important that looking through this book is recognizing, I believe life is a culmination of a lot of difficulty and a lot of adversity and a lot of things that create these wounds so that we seek out the ultimate surgeon to come in and fix that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do trauma work without Jesus. Um, I, he interweaves and he's present in all um, the applications of all the amazing theories and all the researched techniques. Um, but at the end of the day, without Jesus, it would just be ego for me. And it would just be um, science and science without um um, God at the center of it is just theory, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not applicable in the living sense of the soul. So good. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for doing our, our second episode of Trauma Talk. I, I, I so appreciate you. And um, I'm sure it'll be a, a couple days that you and I will start emailing back and forth and figuring out what number three is going to be on. Three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll, well do that. And te- yeah. And technically, you know, we have done a couple other because you've done some great um, um You've done some great podcasts with some of the therapists here yeah. who use some of the techniques that I, we were talking about or that we integrate faith into. So yeah. I love that you're doing that. So that does apply into it. So I hope some of those who are listening to this get to go back and find the one on IFS, find the one on um, EMDR, yeah. um, DBT. I've listened to them. All. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. And then we're doing, uh, we've got formational prayer coming up. Um, that was Steve. With Steve and Sarah, uh, Queen. Nice. And uh, I'll finish it up with IFS uh, with Jessica. And then uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to put this nugget out there. I've got somebody potentially I'm super excited about who's a really uh, great author and somebody who's really uh, expounded on faith in IFS that um, I may have on the show, hopefully. Um, sometime oh, soon. I think I'm, I was on the podcast where I was at the oh, meeting yeah. with yeah. her. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm as soon as I heard her talk, I'm like, yeah, you, you're going to have to That's be. That's great. I'm glad you're going to get her on. That's yeah. wonderful. So, well, Victoria, thank you so much for your time. And I, well, I'll be talking to you soon. So. Yeah. God bless, Matt. <laughs> all right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. I really think uh, Vic and I could go back and forth all day long and talk about how trauma has been a part of our story since the beginning of time. I really enjoy her insight and her perspective during these conversations. The broken, wounded, poor, they all need a savior. James points out that there would be no point in Jesus if we don't go through adversity and need him. 
I think a lot of us avoid the inevitable dealings of life and begin to get stuck because we don't want to, uh, to deal with the pain that growth brings. Embrace the stressors of life and know God is using them to shape us into exactly who he desires us to be. Thank you for listening to the XM Podcast. Please visit Emerge.org for more information on what we do as a ministry. And it's uh, great if you leave us a comment or a like on whatever format you are listening to us on right now. Well, until next time, or when our Savior comes, God bless.